be one journalist of the year from the American Conservative Union at CPAC 2015. You like me right now. You like me. He's Jim Garrity. How do you like me now? Now that I'm on my She's a broadcast professional who's got pop culture by the throat, and she won't let go. Crank up the radio. Run for your lives, everyone. This is not a drill. She's broadcast pro Mickey White. This is the Jim and Mickey Show. Welcome to the Jim and Mickey Show, brought to you by Primetime Funeral Homes. We know that life for primetime drama characters is unpredictable. And when your audience gets smaller, there's an excellent chance your cast will get smaller as well. At Primetime Funeral Homes, we're prepared for those desperate ploys that kill off beloved characters in order to add contrived drama. We've been handling these arrangements for major characters ever since the Kingdom of Westeros. We'll provide appropriately depressing rain, slow-motion pallbearers, and of course, Sarah McLaughlin's in the arms of the angels. Remember, when your season finale is some other character's real finale... Look to primetime funeral homes. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White, and welcome to the mid-May edition of our show. Mickey, I am thrilled to learn that you are not celebrating a subtraction, but an addition to your little household, aren't you? I am. I am, and uh, thank you. And it's so great to be back on the air. Welcome back, listeners. Uh, We were on hiatus, and um, well, it's always good to take a little break. I have to tell you, it's fantastic to be back with you and Dave. And I will get to my addition in one second, but I do want to welcome Dave back from Israel. Hi. Um, Glad to be back. Yes, and it sounds like you had a fabulous trip. I learned a lot. There's so much out there about... You know, history and Christianity, all the things that are that are interesting to me. You had some pretty amazing pictures. Apparently, you were a little too tall for the tomb. Is that right? <laughs> well, they're pretty short over there in the base case. But yeah, the garden tomb, <laughs> the garden tomb did a crack job on my skull. I came out with a bruise on it. It's not just the doorway that's low, by the way. It's the ceiling. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Take my word so, for it. When, when the modern uh, preachers say that Jesus raised the roof... Um, <laughs> It was a real necessity then. It would have been good if they had done that where they buried him. Yeah, I'm just saying, you know, tourism might have might have suffered a little less over the years. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's good to be to back. Understand. Well, we are glad to have you back, and now your DNA is there forever. That's right. So I bled in the you're... in the tomb Christ was buried in, so I'm sure there's some mystical involvement for me in the second coming now. Me and a exactly. million other tall guys. There you go. You know, <laughs> well, you know, it, we're all looking for the seals anyway at this point. Somebody said it's already been torn open. I'm just saying. Um, Much but... like Earl Williams, Dave has decided that happiness is a room without a roof. Nice. <laughs> yes. Yes. When you're as tall as you guys are, that's like I think probably the. The, the like dream room right there because i'm happy exactly well you're both so very tall to me it would have probably been like oh this room's fine <laughs> you'd, you'd have been one of the there. you'd have been one of the tall chicks trying to find a boyfriend in in ancient israel i'm just saying oh wow i don't, I don't know man they must have been very very little but um i don't know if you know this dave because you just got back but it was the most charismatic possibly a couple days of my life um in looking for my puppy you guys remember i told you all about you know the search and going through all the issues with the rescue etc um i even i even actually here's where it starts dave i even wrote a piece for ricochet 
talking about my frustration of just wanting to find like the right puppy. That's all I want. Like nothing crazy, whatever, right? Perfectly reasonable. He found domain. me. How'd that happen? He totally found me, <laughs> and I have a puppy. I, say, I, I don't actually salute. have him. Yeah, you're you're on the way. He is the the adoption process is is in the works, and uh, yeah, he's not old enough to bring home yet. Yeah, I want to I want to salute you, Mickey, for that uh, that first of several pieces for Ricochet. Oh. Um, one being that, you know, the, the nanny state coming to pet adoption, um, <laughs> because apparently, you know, because this is a, this is a terrible thing we need to prevent with lots of paperwork and inspections and things like that. Um, you, you know, I thought that was a, a really kind of uh, thought provoking and, uh, you know, revealing look at how, you know, uh, petty regulations and bureaucrats and things like that can mess up even the most mundane, uh, and what should be a joyful moment in life. Um, but so, so here's the thing. So this is a you, you had a particular name for it. You haven't named the pet, but it's a part husky, part shepherd. Yes, the mother is the full blooded shepherd. The father, full blooded husky. Okay. So this is a shusky. <laughs> yes, a shusky. <laughs> Which, or a shepherd, but uh, you know. Or a shepherd, but I think a shusky probably sounds better. Although I do see the irony in me having a shusky. <laughs> Shusky sounds like a guy who's been going to Cub games for about 50 years. Sounds like a guy yeah, I just but, met in Israel. <laughs> right? Again, I, I, that was the name that Jim created for him as a character. It, it, right now, I've referred to him as the baby, the puppy, and Cujo. Um, so, like I said, Mr. Bias and I, it, this has become like the new obsession because he's in love too, by the way. Um, I want everyone to know that this was not something that I forced upon him, but he fell in love when apparently he saw me fall in love Aww. with the puppy. And so, actually, the puppy is a birthday present because it will be available right before my birthday. He has the secret. You're Bird talking to, to a guy whose wife is the crazy old cat lady. We have five cats and probably will end up with more. So, I share your pain. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, we're really excited. But, like, every night now, we're discussing names. And I'm so, I cannot wait till we find one that works for both of us. This may never happen. Well, besides Shusky, which we've already established is perfect, um, yep. what are you looking for in, in a name, Mickey? What's, you know, is that I, well, original? Does that to fit the personality of the it dog? It has to fit the personality of the dog. That's number one. Given his background, um, something a little Teutonic, maybe? No? Yes, something. Ah. I don't okay. know. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's funny because, of course, you know, you don't want necessarily Klaus. to name the dog, you <laughs> Klaus. know. Klaus, Klaus. A German name. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, you don't want to name your dog Adolf. Like, here, Adolf, here, Adolf, that's bad. You don't want that. And, you know, and as far as Siberian Husky, like, I can't pronounce a lot of the Eskimo words. So we, we're having some issues on that front. Um, here, Vladivostok. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, there's some issues uh, back and forth. Um, you all know I'm a huge Steeler fan. I love James Harrison. One of the first names I threw out was Harrison. Someone came back with, you know, and you could call him Harry for short. And I was like, <laughs> no, his name would be Harrison. That's right. Like, I don't understand what the problem is. <laughs> so I feel like once, you know, he grows up a little bit more, uh, we're very fortunate in that where we've been invited to come and see him weekly and do feeding so that we can bond and he's getting some training before we even get him. 
And um, I'm hoping, as is with most animals, he tells me what his name is. Roethlisberger. <laughs> I'm not naming it. No. Um, can, can puppies yeah, bark the, in four name, syllables? Well, Roethlisberger. Can you imagine? Here, Roethlisberger. <laughs> Here, Roethlisberger. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I, also, you know, I, I wouldn't even have a problem with Benji, like like Ben or Benjamin. But then people would call it Benji, and that would irritate me. Yeah. Um, Mickey, I could see problems during the season uh, for your otherwise very happy dog. And all of a sudden, on some Sunday afternoon, he hears around the house, Roethlisberger, what are you doing? <laughs> right, oh, exactly. Terrible choice. There. Sundays will yeah. be traumatic for the poor puppy. <laughs> to say that I have been given suggestions of every possible connection to Steelers it is an understatement. I, they, I, they brought up people's names I forgot even existed. When people were immediate, when they found out that I had the puppy, they immediately were like, oh, you got to name him Franco, which of course makes sense. But then that would be like naming him after my dad, which would be weird. Um, and you know, but a lot of people came up with some very creative um, Steeler names, but a lot of them were just flat out players. Uh, one of my favorites actually came from uh, one of my sorority sisters and the mother of my godson. Um, and when she wrote, she first suggested Troy, knowing me so well, and then came up with Malu. Oh. Paula Malu. See, that sounds like a good name for a dog. Yes, it does. Um, I, I, I would caution you against naming any dog after the f- full name of any particular player. It ideally would be some sort of distinctive nickname inspired by the player. Because hopefully, Mickey, you'll have a long and happy relationship with this dog. But at some point... 10 years down the road, 15 years, or it's, let's say 16 years from now, uh, people are calling me up saying, how are you doing? Like, well, it's, it's really been kind of tough. We had to put James Harrison to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't even know he was sick. We, we had to commit seven <laughs> penalties to accomplish that. So, yeah, don't that, your- Well, and that is a problem. The other problem we've run into is, like, I'll suggest a name, and Mr. Bias will say, um, we know two of those dogs name this. Oh, then the worst part is I suggest a name, and he says, um, that's so-and-so's kid's name. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so that's out to Get into that Jennifer so, syndrome thing. Yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> right, Jim? Well, I was going to observe. So we thought we were being original. Well, not only have both names. One, you know, so I don't talk about my kids' names on, uh, on, on the show or on, on, on Twitter or anything like that. Um, but let's just say Juan went from 400 not too long ago to 40th, uh, I looked up in terms of common, commonness. And then the other one was, if not the most common boy's name, then it was like two or three uh, a couple of years back. And the other ones were like uh, variations of the sound of that name. I think both um, are like in the top ten. You named Wait, your kid Mohammed? Ah, <laughs> uh, there you go. It gets even worse because then there's like some app or, or some program that like compares sibling names. And they are the most common sibling name. Yeah, or the most common combination for these two names. No way. So we are, we are basically just living, you know, Irish-American stereotypes. A reflection <laughs> of the culture. You are far more weak-minded than we gave you credit for. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I prefer to choose trendsetter. Because I was going to say, you could be the so. trendsetter or, as, as, you know, Dave mentioned, Dave, you know, mush mind. <laughs> yeah. My, my older son has met, he's, he keeps, keeps track of this, and he believes he's met 40 children who have the same name as him uh, throughout his travels. And he counts celebrities and, and anything else like that uh, in that category as well. And then, of course, they have, you know, we, we, with the, what I consider to be the common spelling, 
Um, apparently, a good portion of the Irish American world has chosen otherwise. Um, so I like to point out, oh, you know, how do they spell it? Oh, with an E. Okay, so it's wrong then. Um, so there you go. Back <laughs> yeah. and reassure him that way that uh, he's unique in well, his spelling. I would think, you know, Jim, that you, Jim, would be able to relate to him having like 40 people in his class with the same name. Yeah, the irony is, I think we only had like one other James in uh, coming up, growing up in grade school. So, so yeah, you, you know. so you were like a second generation James, but there are a lot of Jim. I mean, James was like a really popular name at one point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, what happens is, and now it's coming back as a girl's name, which I love. Jim is a girl's name. James yeah, is a girl. James, name? yeah. Like Jamie or no James? Um, huh. James is the name of. Uh, of Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively's daughter, and also the middle name of one of my best friend's daughters. Showbiz already gave us Apple. Why are we surprised at a girl named James? I don't know, but I really li- like. Actually, what's funny is that my girlfriend did it first before Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds did, and um, and we like the minute she said the two names together, and I'm not going to say them on the air, but when she said them together, it was just like perfect. And it suits her personality. It, I don't know. It, and something about it really works. So I don't know. I'm, I'm a fan of kind of, I've always been a fan of like that unique twist on the name kind of thing. Yes, there's a silent Z in it or something like that. Uh, <laughs> no, that's spelled normally. It's just, you know, used differently. Like I always liked girls that were named Ryan. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't Is know the how little to girl a southern girl who, could, who but, could possibly be called Jim Bob in, in later life? Uh, well, here's the thing. We're going to be coming up in the next segment with some names that we're just not going to hear anymore on TV, regardless of what happens, until, of course, we turn on TNT, TBS, or something like that. Rerun. We'll be talking about all the changes at the end of the seasons this year. When we come back, I'm Mickey White. He's Jim Garrity. And thank you for listening to The Jim and Mickey Show. You gotta date, skin's looking great, cause Clara Seals ace, face to face, Clearasil gives you great looking skin, even close up. Inside, it kills bacteria to dry the pimple. Clearasil's Ace, face to face. Outside, it soaks up all the excess oil. Feeling first great, your skin's looking great, cause Clearasil's Ace. Clearasil, for skin that looks great, even close up. Face to face, Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. And listeners, please be use caution. The following discussion may include spoilers for the television shows NCIS, The Flash, Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and Castle. So, Mickey, I can't help but notice uh, that in the last couple of weeks, we've, you know, watchers of shows have seen major major deaths of major characters on NCIS, The Flash, Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and almost Castle. Um, so I think that like George R. R. Martin has now ruined it for all television shows that you have to kill off characters at the end of the season. Person I'm, of I'm, interest you know, also. Jim Caviezel uh, died. See, I think this is a long held tradition that we just got away from because we, we've got, we've gotten so far away, um, you know, with reality TV and things like that. They don't kill off people on reality TV. Um, however, <laughs> you remember back on, you know, that would be optional, I suppose, and interesting, but You'll remember back, like in the dynasty days, and most certainly, you know, the Who Shot Jr. Mm-hmm. 
And all of that cliffhanger stuff, usually it was like, who died? Now they tell you who died. Because when it comes out that they didn't review, you know, renew their contract, you know, in advance. Like, we knew certain things about Castle long before we knew exactly how they were going to end it. True. Um, and have, you know, long-time listeners to this program will note, you and I were wary at best at the idea of a, was it eighth season, ninth season they were going to do? Ninth, I think it was the yeah. ninth season and without, what's her name? Go ahead, Dave. Stana Kotick. Stana Kotick. Thank you. Sorry. Yes, took Stana me by surprise Kotick. there. Oh, sorry, Dave. Didn't mean to throw that one out. Yeah. But whatever. I did yeah, well. But, you know, and I think, you know, we talked about it a lot. And it, it's one of those things, though, that sometimes the best thing that can happen to a show is for a character to get killed off. And when I think of this particular um, TV trope, if you will, because it really is just mm-hmm. yet another thing for them to do to move a storyline along. Um, for one reason or another, maybe, you know, that character has become so unlikable or their their storyline just, you know, isn't going anywhere and they can't figure out how to make it better until they make them go away. Um, maybe they want to bring in someone else. Maybe they just don't like the actor. Um, but one of my absolute favorites was the OC. Um, I loved that show. And when they killed Misha Barton's character off, it became like a zillion times better. It was like the best ever. She was the best killed off character ever in the history of ever because she's such a terrible actress. She pulled down the entire rest of the cast. The rest of them still have careers, by the way. Uh, I'm going to note, Mickey, that um, Castle, you know, because of the announcement that ABC would not be bringing it back next year, ended up giving us the double reverse. Uh, ending in that they, you know, they, oh, they've un- un- finally unraveled the world's largest conspiracy about uh, killing Beckett's mother. Yay! And they have their happy ending, and Beckett and Castle are home in their home, and all of a sudden, there's one last bad guy, and he's broken into the house, and he's shooting them. And you can tell the way they wanted to end the episode was, you know, both Beckett and, and Castle shot on the floor of his kitchen, bleeding out, holding hands. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the idea that, you know, maybe. You know, she doesn't survive the shooting. He does. If they had come back for another year, they went they Sopranos could, on us. They could leave her in a coma. They could, you know, it was it was meant to be a cliffhanger. Yes. And then the show got canceled, and they realized how unbelievably pissed the audience would be <laughs> if that's the last they see of them. So they flash forward to seven years in a wordless scene in which they're just around a kitchen table, and they've had three kids, and you know. Uh, the kids don't bother to get names. <laughs> There's no. Are they just, redheaded? Because that's yeah, the important uh, part. No. Do the they have lines? The important part is that they all all the cast members must be redheaded. If the kids have but, lines, they'll get paid scale according to the, the union rules of SAG. Did they have anything to say? These mysterious kids. Okay, that might. No one had any dialogue. There in you go. Okay, it literally was. Ah, crap! We just got. Oh, right, this uh, was a. Hey, can you come in for like five minutes? We yes, want to film this scene. You come in. in I mean, the other thing is like, I mean, you know, do you see Beckett having three kids in seven years? after this? Really? You know, it just doesn't seem, uh, it just literally felt tacked on. Like if we don't give a happy ending, our audience is going to kill us. <laughs> and I suppose we should be glad that they did that as opposed to leaving the unresolved cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, but it just seemed like a, you know, ah, there we'll do this. many mixed reviews about Castle because people were really invested in that show. Really likable characters. Really, um, again, you know, we talk about characters that we invite into our living room and then they kill them off. So I'm grateful they did not kill them off. I felt like, you know, just like 
every show is going to come to an end. And to me, it's it's better to end on a high note and to end when your audience still likes you and wants you not to die. Yeah. And so in this case, you know, it may not be perfect, but it's just the last episode. Okay, that this was not the worst ending I've seen of this season. I'm gonna I'm gonna give that award to NCIS. <laughs> now, Mickey, let let the audience know you stopped watching NCIS a year or two ago, right? Uh, I I stopped watching NCIS the minute they got rid of Ziva. All right. Like I had no zero interest. I, literally, it was like the show ended. That was like the end of, to me. Like NCIS ended when Ziva left. There aren't even other shows after that. Okay. Well, if you thought, oh, that's the worst thing they could do, no, no, this is where it's going to get even worse. And I have to. <laughs> so they, it's as if they sat down and said, how can we make the audience hate the Ziva character, perhaps inspired by the fact that actress Cota de Pablo was either not available or not willing to come back to shoot a uh, final episode with uh, uh, Michael Weatherby's uh, departing Dinozo character? Guess what, uh, Mickey? What? Ziva and Dinozo had a daughter together. And he never, and she never told him. I totally knew that. No, no, yeah. this was sprung on them. And here's the, this makes no, Ziva a, that makes no. perfect sense. No, this makes her a bitch. But She's not terrible. the not telling him part. I mean, the yeah, not no. telling him part, I guess, is whatever. I mean, I don't know how the storyline went because you know whatever. But <laughs> they had at the time that Ziva left, they had a great deal of chemistry and they had alluded to them sleeping together. Yes. No, that, that part is all, I'm not saying the logic doesn't work. I'm saying that uh, Ziva had had this, you know, romantic chemistry with Tony and, yeah. you know, everything was building up to so it. So they not made her just look bad. Warning, right. Uh, not only kept him out of her life and went back to Israel and was, you know, doing things off screen. Well, now she's dead. Oh, by the other spoiler, sorry. I'm going to say it. Yeah. And Dinozo gets the daughter, and Dinozo, like, you know, oh, by the way, you had a kid, and she hid this from you for like two years. Like, Ziva's I, a terrible human being now. I, 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 there is a reason I stopped watching that show when Ziva left. That's all I'm saying. That was a tough one to yeah. unwind for me, but admittedly, that comes from a casual, I didn't know um, Tony and Ziva had done it kind of viewers so mm-hmm. i'm disqualifying myself yeah. like i used to really really like it um and i you know whenever i loved the ziva character um and i love the chemistry that they had i don't know what the you know issues were with contracts and whatnot you know how that plays so much more of a role than we ever are willing to admit um however when they sent her you know like off back to israel or whatever the hell I was like, and cut. Got in a blonde chick to replace Ziva. A blonde chick who's still in high school. Well, that's what the other thing was. She was like 19 years old and blonde, (laughs) and we're supposed to believe that she's like anywhere near a Ziva. And it's fake blonde. She's clearly heavily brown eyed, and she clearly has brown hair. Looks like Madonna in there. It's it, unbelievable. Just like I said, I I I loved the Ziva character so very much from her uh, ability. I mean, and obviously, much credit to the actress because she became that character and developed that because she's not Israeli. Um, but she developed, you know, her accents and all of her, her cute little things that she felt Ziva should be, and I loved her. And well, when they got rid of her, it was like. 
you cannot replace that like amazing I will kick your ass and still every guy in the world wants to have sex with me <laughs> with like a 21 year old blonde blue eyed who's like hey I want to learn how to be an NCIS agent <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, I can't think of a more unceremonious way of dealing with um, a popular character than one, killing her off screen. Two, the perpetrator is apparently either being pursued or up or, you know, like the mastermind got his, you know, was 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 shot dead by the end of the episode in the oh so typical. Well, I have a hidden gun. Ha ha ha. I'm going to do it even though I'm about to be arrested. You know, we've seen the, you know. I think Roger Ebert used to fume about this, that all the number of times, like, you can't, like, it would have been an interesting, bold move to have Dinozo shoot the guy unarmed. You know, yeah. this, this is the man who's killed the love of my life. I'm never going to get a chance to be with her. Um, I found out that I'm never going to have, you know, I have a daughter with her. And for, if he had done it, it would have made, you know, Dinozo not such a heroic character, but it would have been very understandable. Instead, bad guy pulls out the hidden gun. Ha, ha, ha. And I'm going to shoot you. And, of course, Dinozo shoots him first. And it just was this, like, eh. I've seen that scene like a million times in action movies. Well, yeah. And, and Ebert's point was like, you know, they're going to court and they're going to plea bargain down to like two years in jail. Right. Like Don't forget, happens. Han Solo shot Greedo first also. Don't yes, forget. Yes. You know, like I think we in the audience would have been perfectly fine considering this guy is, you know, responsible not just for Ziva's death, but for other terrible deaths. Um, yeah. You know, if, if Dinozo wanted to do some vigilante just and then he could leave the show because he's, you know, broken the law by shooting this guy. Um, as is, they have Dinozo leaving because he's taking care of a child. And that, that's fine. It's okay. It makes a little bit more sense. But, uh, man, they just, they just ripped the Ziva character to shreds in this episode. And I just, well, you know, then I, am I don't even think they know that they I did it. I did not watch it, and they deserve whatever happens to them next. Um, it, you know, again, sometimes it's best just to end a show when the time comes, and there are better ways to do it than, you know, that we've seen some do it well, some do not do it well. Um, one group of people who are producing things that are going very, very well are the Avenger series. And coming up in the next segment, our boy Jim went and saw Civil War. We'll be right back. I'm Mickey White. He's Jim Garrity. You're listening to the Jim and Mickey Show. What's in this little blue egg? That keeps Barbara Eden looking slim and trim. Ooh, there's only one answer to that. It's Legs Control Top Pantyhose. See, Legs slims and trims but doesn't bind. So you get comfort and control. Stretching, bending, standing, sitting. There's one pantyhose that's always fitting. Nothing beats a great pair of legs. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey show. I am Mickey White here along with Jim Garrity. And while I like to think of him as, you know, kind of the tallest eight-year-old I know, (laughs) he has experienced something that all of America is enjoying. And that, of course, is the Avengers. And, And it is not just the Avengers. It is Captain America. Civil War, and the entire country is divided. Are you Team Cap or are you Team Iron Man? Cap. And, of course, I'm Team Iron Man because why not? I, I really like Robert Downey Jr. has absolutely nothing to do with other things. But, Jim, you saw the movie. 
Yeah. In a separate podcast, uh, Dave and I will be arguing about the uh, international jurisdiction of the Sokovia Accords uh, and really debating international law in an uber-geeky way. Um, But let me make the point. Have you ever seen a movie and it just completely changes your view of another movie? Mm, Maybe. Okay. I've seen movies where I thought, like, this is what something wanted to be. There you go. See, here's the thing. Captain America Civil War makes it safe for us to say, you know, Avengers Age of Ultron really wasn't that good. Oh, uh, yeah, because a lot of people, that was kind of suck. We're, we're all kind of emotionally invested. Look, it's the Avengers. We loved the first Avengers. And, this, you know, Avengers Age of Ultron has all of our favorite characters back and new characters and Spader as Ultron. And, you know, and, but if we, and, and Joss Whedon is directing. We love you know, all this kind of stuff. We, we really wanted to like Age of Ultron. But if you watch it, and particularly if you catch it on cable a second time, it's kind of a mess. It, it just It's overstuffed. Things are constantly happening. Thor goes off to swim in a cave and he comes back and it's he's got all It's exceptionally confusing. Yeah. I couldn't follow the plot. And you know how I feel about most movies needing editing. That one needed more than most. I enjoyed the uh, nutty Danish professor running around without his pants, though. That was a highlight for me. Um, I was going to say, this is a, you know, look, it had to do a lot. It had to set up more movies. It had to tie up at loose ends from previous movies. Joss Whedon was fighting with, with Marvel Studios about <laughs> edits and stuff. It, it was tough. All of a sudden, along comes Captain America Civil War, <coughs> which has almost all the Avengers in it. Introduces you know, uh, Black uh, Panther, brings in Spider-Man. Um, and Who has, directed you know, this? Uh, this was the uh, two brothers who I okay. believe did the first uh, Captain America movie. Yes. It's got a ton of moving parts and it should feel ludicrously overstuffed. And it doesn't. And so it's like, okay, it wasn't thus that Marvel peaked. It just means that uh, Age of Ultron, you know, kind of was trying to do too much. It didn't work. But Captain America Civil War keeps all the plates spinning. Nothing kind of crashes down. There are great funny parts. There are great serious parts. And here's like a really important point. And I've, been, I've been warned not to discuss spoilers. So I'm just going to talk the conceptual idea of how do you have a big climax when you're making like movie three of a trilogy or movie four or movie five. This is like at least the sixth movie Captain America has appeared in. You know, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can't, you've, you've already saved the universe from blowing up like three times. <laughs> You, know, you can't just keep adding more nuclear explosions. You can't, you know, you just can't get any, you know, bigger or huger. So what do you do? You make it smaller. You make it personal. You make the emotional stakes higher, if not the consequence of the world blowing up. And uh, I don't think it's that much of a, a spoiler to say uh, the buildup of Captain America Civil War and the city of Team Cap and Team Iron Man is like, no, no, it's not a contrived, oh, they're fighting over a misunderstanding or oh, you know, uh, it's Batman and Superman, it's one person not knowing the other or something. No, no, these are two guys who have come to a parting of the ways, who, who just flat out cannot agree on which way to go about it. And over the course of this conflict, they really come to hate each other. Mm-hmm. They really come to believe each one is representing the exact opposite of what needs to be done at that moment. And when it's that final you know, knockdown, it, the, nobody's pulling their punches. And that's oh, how like, timely. Yeah, and it you know like a good. I believe it started out as a documentary about the Republican primary, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it you know. But and, and so here's like, be if you're now if you're a Marvel fan, you've been watching all these movies. You like Captain America. You like uh, uh, Tony Stark, Iron Man. You don't want to see them fight. 
Maybe you agree with one or the other more. Uh, I regret to inform you that Dave is actually wrong. Uh, Dave will apparently is perfectly fine with letting escaped fugitives run around who have assaulted police officers. That's okay, Dave. I always knew you were you know up there with uh, hanging around with Black Lives Matter. Just That's call fine, me William Dave. Hurt. <laughs> um, trust trust government authorities. If there's anything I call conservatives stand for, it's that. Yes. Um, but it turned into this like you know very high emotional stakes fight. And they do a nice way of, you know, the, the wrap-up doesn't say everything's just fine. It also doesn't leave it, you know, well, that's that, and you know. Um, but there, there's kind of a, you get a sense there's going to be a lasting emotional consequence of this movie. And that is much bigger than watching the umpteenth time uh, super-harrowed hero beating up super-harrowed villain. You know, when all of a sudden when they're having this big fight between two groups of superheroes, you really don't know who to root for. <laughs> You like everybody in this fight, and it, you know, the intensity. So it makes you think. Up. I like it. Yeah. Maybe I'll actually enjoy this now. Um, I, I, I guess, I guess my number one question would be, whose team is Thor on? Uh, a fair question. He's not in this movie, and there's there's references to him. Uh, you know, put very, you know, put very succinctly. You know, succinctly uh, at one point, uh, somebody says, "You know, do you have any idea where Thor is?" And, and you know, uh, Captain America has to shrug his his shoulders. And, and the uh, the William Hurt character, uh, who who Dave uh, so unfairly maligns, um, says, "If I lost a nuclear weapon, there would be consequences." <laughs> uh, you know, suggesting that super powered people are the equivalent of nukes in this world, and they can right. do enormous damage and stuff. And I so like the idea that. Captain America is representing in our current political culture the America that uh, so many of us on the right are kind of yearning for, and he's speaking for it without any editing. I haven't seen the movie, but the trailer gives me the current speech from uh, yeah. from Cap that that makes me realize that liberty, individual liberty, is really in the spotlight in this movie. Yeah, there are a lot of times we've seen contrived fights, and Dave, I think you know I'm, I'm teasing you here. I think you're going to come out of this movie. Still liking Cap because it's a completely reasonable perspective, particularly based on what he has seen and experienced in previous movies. Mm-hmm. I.e., you never know when the giant government entity is working for. Are you going where I and think you're going, which would be to suggest that I'm right? Would be Team, Team Iron, Iron Man. Um, I walked out of that saying everybody's going to look. It's Captain America's movie, right? So everybody's going to oh, Captain America's right. I'm like, no, actually. Uh, Tony Stark's perspective throughout this whole thing is uh, much, clear, much clearer and much more realistic and, and kind of in, in Interesting. both. Yeah. Meaning that if, uh, if, if superheroes existed in a world, this is kind of what was in the, the Batman versus Superman movie, except done not nearly as well. If they really existed, even if they were good-hearted and pure and patriotic and as wonderful as Captain America was, there would still be some fear of them. There, there would still be some recognition that they can do exceptionally, you know, dangerous things. Right, kind of like the part. X-Men deal with all the time. Yeah. Um, and the, you know, the, com- the comparison I came up with, because I wrote a couple items about this, was, you know, we love the Navy SEALs. They are the best. They are the ones who are the first and foremost out where the most dangerous spots. We love them. We need them. Um, but we don't let them operate on their own without any oversight. Well, they weren't invented that way. Superheroes kind of were, I mean, from the yeah. 1940s, from the war. Captain America is a comic book propaganda result of being at war, and he's the individual that represents the ideas of America, whereas the Navy SEALs are products of the giant uh, machine that is America. 
Right, but I the idea of, of just like the the Navy SEALs aren't just like running around doing as they please. No, they can't. Whereas the superheroes, man, they're running around doing as they please. <laughs> but what pleases yeah. them is to be good and be patriotic. What if they've had too much to drink? I thought they were superheroes. Can, you got two's my limit on Captain America? Really? Look, I'm just saying, like, if Thor's, like, hanging out with, say, that, you know, obviously, you know, easily swayed whore, um, Natalie Portman, and she has, you know, has a couple sips, and he, you know, just drops his hammer. I'm just saying. Like, that could be a problem. You think she's worthy? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> as long as we're that going down this road <laughs> but my problem is this they fear what they can't control but only after the thing they can't control has contributed to their happiness and success and solved their problems for them what point do, do you put limits on on superheroes the same way that our founders for example tried to put limits on the power of the branches of government is that the thinking I, I, I um I, I right now I can't. <laughs> no, I, Come here, I, I, I She's got I'm the hammer on her mind. Hammer time. Go with the flow. It is I'm going to answer your question with a question, Dave. Okay. It, it's probably one that I I, I want to hear uh, feedback on this on mm-hmm. our Facebook page and on Twitter and things like that. So, let's say Natalie Portman, uh, Jane Foster is hanging around with Thor at this bar. Hanging, swinging, whatever. Uh, that Mickey has described. He's drinking <laughs> Nefrodenherden or some sort of Nordic uh, drink. And all of a sudden, him. Natalie Portman's ex-boyfriend walks in, Anakin Skywalker. And one thing leads to another. They get into a fight. Could Anakin's lightsaber cut Mjolnir, the hammer? Well, that's entirely up to the uh, directors and producers of the world, isn't it? That's why the same. No, you just right, watched the movie. Yeah. Someone you just, online has undoubtedly researched this. <laughs> I bet. I bet that our listeners will have separate opinions than I do. You just watched yeah. a movie in which the guy who can fly around and divert the course of nuclear missiles can be beat up by two enhanced human beings, and you're um, asking me before I literally start crying um, from laughter. <laughs> I would also like to add that Jim mentioned our Facebook page. It's Facebook.com forward slash Jim and Mickey show. Please go visit, like it. Um, we're getting better about posting things there. You're going to be loving um, the ability to talk to other listeners as well. Much as we've enjoyed. Okay, we're going to go from the Thor hammer time, different kind of hammer time in the next <laughs> segment. If you've been wondering, hey, what is Gwyneth Paltrow up, up to lately? And what is the most um, openly, overtly prostitution service you could possibly imagine that is allegedly legal? We're going to be discussing that right after this. We got Living in the 90s. Two and a half hours of the coolest songs on two CDs and two cassettes. Check it out! Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. And Mickey, one of our most listened to, most discussed, most debated, and most analyzed segments in uh, in recent weeks was our discussion of Gwyneth Paltrow and her latest helpful bits of advice for to live the life she lives. Um, She's always so helpful. She is like the ketchup on hot dogs of uh, uh, of, of of modern celebrities. She just brings 
brings out this this you know borderline violent reaction from people. So um, I, I deba- I, I'm actually kind of thinking, Mickey, we probably should just have a weekly "What's Gwyneth Paltrow doing?" Uh, segment at least once a week. Just check in. What's her latest little bit of, of life advice? Um, she's got some what's new great. Gift is idea. She always does provide content, though. So um, so what's what's she selling us this week, Mickey? What's- well, you know, again, as I was saying, she provides content on such a regular basis. You know, a few weeks ago we were discussing, um, I believe, I can't even remember because we've talked about her, you know, conscious uncoupling. We've talked about her living off of welfare money. We've talked about her selling products that cost a ridiculous amount of money, which I guess makes sense since um, her newest thing that she suggests in, you know, her favorite things on her website, Goop, is a female master, uh, we'll call it a female, uh, what do we call this, massage, uh, massager okay. for our listeners. A female massagers, or as I, you know, in my generation calls them, a vibrator. So she's um, selling the ability to have some kind of organism, is that what you're saying? No, she, no, this is no. I'm an Ultron, Dave. You're much thinking more Ultron. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say it the way I would just say it to anybody else. Okay. Gwyneth Paltrow is selling fifteen thousand dollar dildos. Okay. And they are made of gold. Gold. <laughs> and she's selling them through her site by recommending them as one of her favorite things. I'm sure she gets a kickback of some sort. Who knows? Who cares? It doesn't matter. I was like, I, this was one of those stories that, you know, this is why I love Gwyneth. And I agree. I, I'm down for like, you know, at least maybe like once a month, just checking in on her because she is so, she's, she, she's like a unicorn. <laughs> In many ways, in that because of the way that she was raised and because of the way that she views the world and most importantly, because she has such a high opinion of herself. There almost couldn't be another her, right? A perfect confluence of American yeah, there's, cultural there's just, events. It's not possible. And you can't <laughs> even parody her anymore. And now, of course, she is she is our girl out there, you know her, how hard it is to be a normal mom. (laughs) Yeah. If you're a normal mom, what Gwyneth Paltrow thinks you need is to not eat, you know, anything but veggies and to have a $15,000 vibrator. A gold vibrator because silver tarnishes in, in alkalinic (laughs) pH. <laughs> well, there's that. I mean, but again, keep in mind that she has her vajayjay steamed. I, I'm hoping as well. So maybe that affects the pH balance or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> what I do know is that when I read the article about her steaming her vajayjay, which was like about a year or so ago, mm-hmm. for those of you who haven't figured out vajayjay, think woohoo. She has that steamed, and um, yeah. So maybe that's why she needs a gold one. Apparently, she thinks it's very special. You know, I just have this terrible feeling of seeing her next to William Devane. 
<laughs> saying, you know, the $15,000 golden dildo <laughs> is a true. wonderful way to diversify your portfolio. I've been accumulating gold for several years and for just such a time as <laughs> <Dude>. this. <laughs> if this show is up on one of those cable channels and the commercials for gold, I'm going to die. I would love to see how many sales there have been of the $15,000. That uh, I'm also looking this over, you know, just in case. Oh, this! Oh, this got to be the the only uh, insanely overpriced sex toy she's she's offering. Um, there's a five hundred and thirty five dollar whip. Um, I hope it comes with someone attached. Uh, a a much more reasonable amount, you know, five thirty nine for a whip. You're going to use, you know, for the rest of your life. It's an investment, I guess. A $139 ring for the nether regions. I'm not going into further detail by that. I just, I'm going to say that seems like a <laughs> Dutch guys are pretty good engineers, I think. Um, but no, no, the, the very best, you know, second best to the $15,000, you know what, um, is the $395, quote, vibrating nipple clamps, unquote. <laughs> which so she's I'm guessing in, in her book is a bargain. There are fabulous sex boutiques and toys and stores that have lingerie and anything your little freak flag flying wants, including mine. And they don't cost anywhere near this. So, again, it blows. She is the gift that keeps on giving T-Jams. And we are thankful to Gwyneth. So I raise a glass to Gwyneth Paltrow for always providing at least one whole segment of content. Now, you might be thinking, that's got to be the single most uh, silly and ridiculous and salacious bit of news uh, to come across the TJM's news desk in the past week. Oh, no, my friend. <laughs> it gets worse. Oh, no. so, um, <laughs> from Women's Health. This is not some, you know, uh, you know uh, playboy or anything like that. Um, I, you know, you, you said this to me, Mickey, and I, I, I'm having a tough time getting my head around this. So l- apparently women are now getting, quote, special vagina massages, also known as Yanni massages. I'm guessing Yanni is not the guy giving it to you. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. And um, they're professionals, though. Yeah, I'm sure they are. Um, <laughs> quote, <laughs> I'm looking at this headline. Does it get weird? <laughs> well, <laughs> I... If, if, if you're doing that, I'm a little uh, odd with it. It can go as far as women want it to go, she says. She may just want her, quote, Yanni held, unquote. <laughs> also, this is helpful. A good Yanni masseuse will always wash their hands before handling your lady business. Uh, yeah. Okay, things that, you know, I would assume are just protocol <laughs> um, would be the washing of the hands. I would also <laughs> hope they warm them up. Employees must wash uh, hands before nobody returning wants a cold to hand on your Yanni. <laughs> what I will tell you is this. Um, I would love to know why these women need to go and have a professional massage on their Yanni. It's the logical place, like, I guess. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, you know, I, I get it. Is my Yanni stressed out? Is it like, dude, it's just been a long <laughs> week. I have taken a pounding. Oh, I really need a massage. Oh. Like, is that how that works? I, I was just wondering, look, Mickey, you're, you're asking the wrong two guys for further, <laughs> you know, further <laughs> firsthand perspective there. I am going to observe, though, that I, did, do you pull a muscle down there? Did it, you know? See, right? Like, did Yanni, like, you know, oh, dude, I, I just wait, you know, oh, 
Man, I can feel the tension in this workout. thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you feel yeah, the knots not, right there? Need to work that out. <laughs> like I, I've had a yanni my whole life. I, the idea of taking it for a professional massage has never occurred to me, not once in a million years. And if the idea is the ultimate trip to Poughkeepsie, as my girl Kathy Lee Gifford likes to say, um, and 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 achieving the ultimate goal organism then yeah definitely that's prostitution but like if you're playing for that why not pay for the real thing accidental orgasm <laughs> <laughs> well right you might be onto something there Jim, i'm just picturing the cop there go like do i arrest do i not arrest is this you know like mm. you know this is coming to the supreme court someday you know again listeners like- this is something that you can obviously tell is extremely important so Feel free to stop by our Facebook page or visit us on Twitter. Um, if you're on Twitter, we're at. Oh, Jimmy. no, no. Don't, don't come to me with questions about vagina massage. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that's direct that all to Mickey. That's, that's all. Oh, oh please. Like they were going to ask you anyway. <laughs> no one was going to ask you about any of this. They're all going to be like, ooh, what else did you find out, Mickey? Because they know you ain't going to talk about it. All right. So we are. Uh, Oh, my God. We are actually coming up into our last segment already. This has gone so fast. Um, So coming up, we've got some news and our favorite uh, Trivial Tuesday. Even though we weren't on the air, we were still playing. And uh, we have some favorites picked out from those of you who played along. So I'm Mickey Way. He's Jim Garrity. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Now that's what I call an organism. Oh, my God, you guys. This has been the best day ever. Lucky dog. Lucky dog. (gasps) Wait a minute. It's empty. They forgot to buy Lucky Dog brand dog food from Purina. No more chewy chunks. No more crunchy nuggets. No more meaty centers. I'm not a lucky dog. I'm doomed. I guess what? Oh boy. Party time. Make your dog a lucky dog. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White, and we're almost to the end of this week's program. Uh, we do want to check in with our fun Trivial Tuesday contest. It's done on Twitter with the hashtag Trivial Tuesday, organized by my co-host. Two great questions in recent weeks. Um, Mickey, do you want to go over the options for uh, the worst job you've ever had or the best euphemism for the you know for doing you know what? For Which sex. was about two weeks ago. Yes, for sex. Also, again, I, that was from two weeks ago, and I had no idea that this was turning into like a sex-filled like entire episode at the time. Um, but that's a great one. I, I, the first one that popped into my head with that one was, you remember watching the, the newlywed game? Mm-hmm. And they would call it making whoopee. Okay. And there's, so there's always kind of been that euphemism as I, you know, I use the word p- the, the Poughkeepsie thing last time. Some of our people came up with some really good ones. Uh, some big winners across the board were knocking boots. Okay, pretty common. Uh, yes, uh, there were definitely different variations of both laying the pipe mm-hmm. and some other things of that nature, laying different things in, so to speak. You know, I just realized laying pipe could be the answer to the Turbulent Tuesday question two weeks in a row. Uh-huh. Euphemism for sex, and what was your worst job or toughest job? <laughs> yes, and so, um, and so, I and 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 what about you, Jim? 
Well, as you say, on um, I, horizontal mambo was the uh, the sex euphemism one there. Um, I, you said you noted that somebody else had said making cookies. It was a uh, T Marsh eighty three. That's Trent. Trent. Okay, so I, w- when do the cookies get made? That's I don't directly know, because but I was dying hey, I, because I was like making cookies. There was a Michelle Pfeiffer routine in the fabulous Baker Boys, I think, on the piano, and she sang the song "Making Whoopie." And everyone, I remember this in the eighties, started joking about. And bacon cookies, it's like a spoof song, morning show radio thing. Oh. It comes from that. So it's part of the song making whoopee because it rhymes with bacon cookie. Huh. Seriously. Well, I, yeah, that's a good one. Um, I, I thought that was great. We had a lot of bumpin' uglies. Um, uh, uh, being were... a kid from South Texas, I have to throw in belt buckle polishing because belt buckles got pretty <laughs> big there when I was a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> there are some good ones, and our people are creative. And um, and I want to thank every single one of you who participated because we enjoyed it. We, uh, I know the others enjoyed it as well, and we love your participation in this. And then, of course, the other one was the worst jobs you ever had, and we had some really doozies on there. So I do encourage people to look um, on our on Twitter if you're on Twitter, and some of the things that we got. Back um, under the T-Jams hashtag for Trivial Tuesday were, you know, people who had actually started jobs and left. One of my personal stories that I told, I worked for an ice cream cone shop, kind of mom and pop shop, for a day and a half um, when I was about 16. And it was because regardless of how busy you were, you had to weigh each and every cone. And if it weighed too much, you had to dump it back in the machine and fill it again. Wow. And I was like, I'm out. And I'm out. (laughs) And, you know, at that time, you know, they didn't have to pay you basically anything anyway. And I was like, nope. Um, And and you, you, Jim, had one as well. Yeah, it's ironic. I would have said my uh, frozen yogurt job as a teenager wasn't so bad. Um, I was uh, working uh, in a warehouse for Baxter Healthcare. I spent... uh, uh, summer months uh, loading, you know, you know, lots of medical equipment onto pallets, and then using a forklift and moving it onto uh, uh, trucks to be shipped out. It was really more the hours, which was 4 p.m. to, you know, anywhere like 1 a.m., 2 a.m. Some nights 4 a.m. So the overnight, the overtime piled up fast. But uh, it's summer; it's a hot warehouse, and your body clock gets really messed up when you're working late hours. Um, I felt pretty. Then I didn't felt like I was. I was just kind of a, a useless whiner. Uh, from the our listener was it was Blaine who said, "quote I worked ankle deep in raw sewage years ago." Yeah, That's right. That's pretty bad. And his follow That's... up to that just got worse. Yeah, I, I'm not even going to mention that. But... Yeah, so Blaine, I believe it's Blaine Goobly. You uh, are the winner or the loser, depending on how you look at it. But you win our respect for sucking it up and doing a job that you know. Really, Mike Mike Rowe is the guy that would be normally doing that job. And that's actually what inspired that particular theme last night. And uh, that's someone we should target to try to get here on T-Jams. Um, I don't know. After, after the first few segments here, we should we should call the Jim and Mickey show Dirty Jobs. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, well, I'm very excited to announce that you can find my writings at Ricochet. And I'm going to be able to announce some other places as well. Um, and uh, you can find Jim coming up this weekend. Jim, you're going to be at the the NRA membership meeting. Uh, yes, the NRA annual meeting held in Louisville, Kentucky. 
uh, old friends like Cam Edwards and uh, uh, you know my colleague Charlie Cook and uh, some of our folks. Hopefully, I'll be uh, cro- Bob Owens. Hopefully, we'll be crossing paths with. If you look for me, I'll be somewhere in the eighty thousand or so people expected to attend. Um, <laughs> look near Cam Edwards. There you go. And, and Brad Thor will be there. Who, who, by the way, I hope is on big posters. And if he is, please do send me pictures. Um, I want to see them. And uh, and some, you know, obviously we'll be here next week talking about a lot of whatever is going on in the world. Um, and uh, one thing I do want to remind our listeners of is that you know I'm really into coloring books, so we're working on a T Jams coloring book project. If that's something that you would be interested in participating in in one way or another, please do message me on Facebook or on Twitter. Um, I'm at Bias Girl or on the Facebook page. Again, you can just send me a message. Uh, you can find us every week at SoundCloud.com or at any one of our affiliates, which are growing every day. I am Mickey White. He is Jim Garrity. And you are listening to the one and only Jim and Mickey Show. When the lights go down in the California town, people are in for the evening. I jump into my car and I throw in my guitar. My heart beating time with the breathing. Driving over can sing it to my soul. There's people out there turning music into gold. Oh,